this is CTP 33. Isn't that exciting? It somehow? is. That's my favorite I, number. It's also my age. And it's your age. <laughs> That's true. And just, it's also, and it rhymes. Me. It also rhymes. CTP 33? CTP 33. You should do that as your introduction. Let's do this mess. Welcome to the Crooked Tail Podcast. This is Rob. And this is Kai. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is just as long and cumbersome as its title. But we'll get to that in a second. First of all, I'd like to welcome Kai back to the, to the podcast. Were you on the last one? I forget now. What episode was the last one we did? Um, gosh, I don't remember. I guess it oh, was Sully. Oh, yeah, Sully. you were. You were on the last Hanks. one. Welcome back again. Thank you. Sully was also very forgettable, but not as forgettable as Miss Peregrine. Again, we'll get to that. Um, so I guess let's anything to report? Any news going on with you? Well, anything to share? Well, we're if we're talking about uh, what we've been watching or reading as we normally do on these podcasts. Uh, my big thing, as you all probably know already, is I'm a big reader, and in fact, um, a night the night before the screening of Miss Peregrine Home for Peculiar Children. I actually had finished the first book and I have um, okay well don't talk about that now right so, oh, but you so that's are. what I read and then um so I've just been reading a lot and I've actually been doing book reviews uh for um a nonprofit. so that that gives me more reason to read and I get free books so I'm reading 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 where can people find that um it's uh readerviews.com okay yes when? views for it's V-I-E-W-S, not V-U-E-S. Nobody spells views V-U-E-W-S or whatever you just said. I don't know. I don't know. Did you say V-U-E-W-S? Because now you're really... V-I-E-W-S? No, I know, but you said V-U-E something. Did you say V-U-E-W? Yeah, I... No. Because that makes v... even less sense. I said V-U-E-S, not, oh, okay. not V-U-E-S. I don't know. Some people... No, they think... don't. Okay. Nobody spells it that way. Not even in today's like... Not even to be Text cute. Text culture where everybody's like, BRB, LOL, Not BTW. Not even to be cute and kitschy? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, okay. You're, if you're a millennial or, or older, whatever, and you, uh, you, you type views that way just to be cute or funny, even though it's neither, that's, that's up to you, I guess. But send, send me a tweet at Crooked Table because I'd be curious to, to disagree with you on that. Well, hey, we can get into a Twitter argument. Let's go for it. Okay. Um, so, no, but that's not all we've been watching and reading true. and stuff. Well, that's we also, now we're recording this on October 1st. And so, uh, happy belated International Podcast Day, first of all, from yesterday. Yesterday was ha- uh, International Podcast Day, September 30th. Uh, so, no, we've also been starting to watch Halloween movies already. We watched uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, which is a classic. So let's get, and Kai had never seen it before, so I'm curious to see what her thoughts are now that you've finally seen it. What was your, to start, to start off the month of October talking about a scary movie, I feel like that's sort of fitting. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is with any older movie like that, um, especially a horror film, it's just, you, I already knew a lot of what the story was. Some of that was because of a movie like Scream that showed actual clips from the film. Um, it's also just knowing about the origin of Michael Myers. So there wasn't very many jump scare. There were actually, I think there was one jump scare for me. I don't even remember what part, but I'm actually not really even a, a very good uh, horror 
watcher because I don't like it. It, it scares me. I don't like scary images. I don't like. To... That's kind of the intention, though. Right, but I don't. I don't like to feel scared. Like I like to go on a roller coaster and feel my stomach go up into my esophagus. That's what a horror movie is, though. A good horror movie. Right, but no. I, I guess, but I don't. I don't know. I think more for me, it's not the jump scares. It's more what happens to me after the movie's over. When I go to sleep, where I'm like, obviously monsters, the supernatural kind, aren't real. But there's just this this idea of monsters that could come get me. Well, but Michael Myers. I, I was is, little. Michael Myers is in this. Spoilers for a forty-something, forty-year-old film almost. But Michael Myers is an escaped mental patient yeah. with a knife and who likes to strangle people. Right. So that's not. So there's that's nothing supernatural the, about that. Exactly. That's what I was also going to say is that he's not a supernatural. He's not a. He's not. He's a monster in like a literal kind of way, like right. a realistic kind well, of way. Well, and the movie goes out of its way to to depict him as a force of nature. Um, I mean, I read something in the trivia that uh, on IMDb, which you know we like to read after we watch movies, old or new, um, that John Carpenter is really wanted wanted the character to not be relatable to the audience in any way, shape, or form. So that's why they didn't they wanted to sort of give you hints of what his backstory was, but not. You know, not delve so deeply into who is this guy? Who is this guy? And how did he get to be this way? And why is he 15 years later feel this way about whatever? What are his motives? Blah blah blah. So you're just like, whoa, this guy's just like a sociopathic killer, and just you know, to keep him as vague as possible so he could function as the boogeyman, like the movie references. Right. What about what it's also said in the trivia about how um, people commented John Carpenter about the fact that his face unmasked looked like a monster when it was just supposed to be. Michael it was just Myers the actor's, being, apparently. It was just the actor's face. I guess. Yeah, but it was a way of the perception of really looking at Michael Myers as a monster. Right. So, and that John Carmen was really actually su- just surprised about how people can change their perception on, on somebody based on... Based on the, context, basically. Right. Well, I mean, we just, we, you know, right before we started recording, we were talking about this crazy thing with the clowns that's happening all over the place. And that's that's a perfect example. Apparently, one of them got shot. I guess was the news story that you just you just told me about. And it's you know that's another thing of context in the context of, you know, it's a Halloween party or like Guavaween over here in Tampa, and people are just you know celebrating and being silly or whatever. You know that then someone in a Halloween costume dressed as a clown is sort of a normal thing. But given the news stories that's been going on about this and someone popping up on somebody else and they got shot, it's like well in that context then that it really is even scarier than, you know, clowns are to people normally without that kind of uh, right. setup. Right, for, especially for since that, it's been yeah. happening for months. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, if it was one, it's one thing if it started closer to Halloween, but this is, I think, been going on since July or August now. And yeah, it feels like the next Purge movie should draw inspiration from this. Yeah. Maybe it will. The Purge Circus Town or something <laughs> like that or whatever. Because uh, a lot of people have been saying about how that film, which the, the most recent one, which made more money than, because David Chan of the Slash Film Cast tweeted out about that it made more money than the newest films from Michael Bay, from Duncan Jones, from Steven Spielberg. The Purge election year made a lot of money. Why? Because people like that kind of thing. And because it resonates particularly now because it's about an election and about a, uh, a blonde woman running for office trying to say about how she's going to, you know, get rid of the purge and like restore order and that kind of thing and and about this like sort of tyrannical ruler that she's challenging and all this other stuff so it sounds very so a lot of people are reading into it that it's parallel to the trump and clinton thing and we're not going to get into politics but i'm just making a point about how 
those movies have sort of become very timely in a way, and this would be a way for that new one to sort of tie in. But going back to Halloween, we're, we're way off topic, but which you know, have, which is giving you a little glimpse into our, our private life, and just be like, whoa, 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 what are we talking about? I don't know, three hours later, let's, time to go to sleep, it's like four in the morning. Um, what did you think of Halloween? For the most part, giving that yes, you, you know, you knew it was a classic and you knew you knew some things about it going in. Watching it, I guess, with fresh eyes, were you able to see like, oh, okay, I guess why I get why this was a big deal, why this like sort of affected cinema so much, or were you like, like whatever, it's a dude in a mask, who cares? No, no, I I understand. I mean, it's if if we were alive during that time and this was like the first of its kind, then I think we would have been blown away, like similar to what happened with Star Wars, but. Um, there's been 40 years around of the same time too, like the right. year before with Star Wars. There's been 40 years of history, so and 40 years of spoilers. But I think that the way that it was filmed, it really it, it, it does show how horror films really came to be and why a lot of films start horror films started to do the same the same thing. The point of view shots, the the angles with the camera to give it more mystery and suspense. The people that the people that are most the most sinful and drinking and smoking and having sex are the ones that die. But did you, well, that was actually another interesting thing in the trivia was that uh, John Carpenter said it had nothing to do with them having sex. No, but people read into it. Right. And that became the thing that all right, horror exactly. movies were doing after that. But what was really the story is that he, John Carpenter was trying to prove... The slasher films, I should say, not horror movies, but... Yeah, well, John Carpenter was trying to prove with, with those teenagers getting killed or having sex that they weren't aware of what was going on around them compared to Lori, who wasn't trying to have sex and drink and stuff like that. And she was actually being a really good babysitter. She was able to stay alive because she was paying attention. Right. So, and that's actually a really good moral lesson for for today. Every day is watch it, watch, watch out for those killer clowns because yeah. they could be anywhere. Basically, yeah. Pay attention to your surroundings. Be aware, and don't don't be oblivious to what's happening because Michael Myers is he technically is kind of a realistic. He is a realistic monster. Those people do exist, and just be aware of things. Yeah, so recommended by you. Yes, I recommend it. Even though it. most people have already seen this, but still, yes. if you haven't seen it, multiple, you've been putting it multiple off, times. Check it out. Yeah, well, yeah. I did see Halloween H2O, though. So did I. Yeah, like around in the theaters, same time. Yeah, and that was like. I didn't see it in theaters, though. I saw it on, v- on uh, VHS because we're dating ourselves here. <laughs> not Blu ray, not DVD, not streaming, VHS. <laughs> but yeah, I did see Halloween H2O, and I obviously knew that the original Halloween was much better than Halloween H2O, but hey, that's. Bye. And we uh, will, you know, we've already talked about probably watching Halloween 2 next um, when, when we can get our hands on it. Just because I've never seen it and I've wanted to, and I know that it sort of completes this, this initial story with M- Michael Myers and Laurie. And then, you know, before a season, uh, season, it feels like season. But I was thinking, because the third one's called Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. That's why I was thinking season. Before that one tried to, and tried and failed to sort of shift gears on the franchise. Um, but it's funny that we watched that recently because actually a friend of mine posted on Facebook, oh, I picked up these two new horror t-shirts, it's Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I was like, oh, I, I watched both of those this week. That's weird. Well, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, Texas that's, where I, was, that's where I was getting. Uh, so I watched that for the first time this week because, I don't know, I, I obviously it came out way before my time and you know i was aware of it as a kid but it was like oh that looks intense i don't know and it was just one that i always meant to go back to but i guess i was sort of sort of intimidated by like the reputation it had about being so shocking and so dark and so gritty and so like shot like a snuff film sort of and like so uh 
so uh, indie feel, like sort of like sort of how the original Evil Dead functions, even though it kind of gets unintentionally silly, silly towards the latter half. Um, but I finally decided because you know I've been doing articles for Screen Rant and elsewhere, and I did one on belated horror sequels, talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. And it just finally clicked in my head. I'm like, all right, I need to find, I need to just break down and watch this original because of all the and I've told you this already, but you know, of all the big horror like f- flagship franchises, the Freddy Krueger movies or Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the, the Friday the Thirteenth, the Halloween movies, and all these other ones, Child's Play, et cetera, et cetera, Hellraiser. Uh, that's the only one that I haven't seen any of them. Not 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 even not the original classic. Not any of the sequels. I haven't seen nothing from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just because I think at a certain point it didn't appeal to me and I heard that the remake and the sequel to the remake and the prequel to the original or in the whatever they've been doing the last de- decade or so, I've heard none of those were really good. And I, I heard that the, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger was not good. So, I, you know, I've finally just been decided to break down and check it out. And it's got a lot of act, a lot of the acting in it is really rough. Like it's, it does, it does feel like it was put together very, uh, with with very limited resources, that kind of thing. I I mean I feel like in a way I should watch it, but I also don't feel I, like, I didn't like I'm find missing it, much. I mean, if you have the eighty-two minutes or whatever to spare, you might as well because it's a classic. But it's not something that it's it's it wasn't nearly as disturbing as I thought it would be because and this was the, the surprising thing to me, it doesn't really show that much most of it's implied like there's nothing you never see a chainsaw go into a body you never see flesh being ripped well, off let me ask or you anything this. like is that. that because of the what the director's choice of the filmmaking or was yeah. it because of the time period that um, it was in probably a combination of the two i would say uh, i i did hear that the sequel goes a lot more graphic with the blood and the violence what year was that Nine, well 1973 was the original like i don't know late 70s early 80s i think okay. dennis hopper was in it apparently and and based on my research dennis hopper and leatherface have like a chainsaw fight towards the end or something oh, that's cool i'm assuming it doesn't go very well for dennis hopper because leatherface is in all the other movies so just saying um but yeah, no, it was a lot of implied violence. Like, you know, you'd see a hook hanging there. You'd see Leatherface pick somebody up and then, you know, put them on there. But you wouldn't see a, a hook coming out of a person's body. You'd see her like, ah, and like writhe in pain and stuff. But you wouldn't see any like any penetration of blades or, or anything like there was. It was very, I mean, I mean, it's still R-rated because it deserves to be R-rated. But it wasn't like, um, it was more like the, the first Saw in that way. In that, you know, people cut, obviously there's a foot get cut, cut off at one point in that movie and that kind of thing. But the sequels went way more grotesque with the, with the violence than the original was. It was more, it was more about the suspense and, and the terror, the sheer terror of the situation rather than, hey, guess what? We're going to throw a bunch of organs at the, at the screen. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't gore porn. Right. Yeah, it wasn't that, which I thought it might be because yeah. of the title, because of the reputation right. and how shocking it is. And yeah. uh, and all that, but no, it was and give you know like I said, some of the acting and everything was was off. But I could see why you know Toby Hooper's vision was something that, especially like with Halloween back in the '70s, made such an impact where people were like, "Holy shit, I've never seen anything like this before." Mm-hmm. This, and you don't you know just kind of imagine what happens when Leatherface slams that metal door 
And then, you know, the next thing you know, the last survive the last survivor is there, like, with this family of cannibals, and they're eating these, like, random pieces of sausage that you're like, well, they're probably made out of her friends and stuff. You and know what I mean? they have movies like Wrong Turn that completely tried to copy the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. idea. I didn't see that either. But it was, it was set in Appalachians, and they were... I heard that the Wrong people. Turn 2, the Straight to Video one, I actually heard that that was good, too. Oh. Sometimes there's random straight to... And... and like I, told, I was telling you recently, Curse of Chucky is supposed to be actually a decent movie and probably one of the better ones in that franchise since the original. Um, and I heard it compared to Wrong Turn 2 as like, it's like the best straight-to-video horror movie since that. And I was huh. like, wow, really? It was Wrong Turn. The original Wrong Turn wasn't bad. But it just, we were in this, you remember this period in the early 2000s. Um, Urban Legend, blah, blah, blah. Every, well, every, that was, everything was... A, that was because of Scream. Yeah. Scream brought was, back yeah. the slasher movie. Which but like, uh, like, clearly was very meta for all these these, these horror movies we're talking about Halloween. Um, did they really reference Texas Chainsaw Massacre? In that, uh, yeah, probably, think, maybe like once or something. But but the whole maybe point was that Psycho. slasher movies became a big thing with Halloween and uh, Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, and then sort of faded over the next decade or so because there were so many imitators of movies trying to be like John Carpenter's, like Wes Craven's like Toby Hooper's, and they just they kind of ran the, the subgenre into the ground, and then Scream was the one that brought it back out. And then, yeah, there and was then Urban Legend and the Final Destination. Like, death was all of a sudden a slasher. Like, the embodiment of death, remember? But then, yeah, but then, then horror films kind of disappeared again. And then maybe it was Saw? Saw was 2004. Saw. They didn't disappear, disappear that much. Yeah, but it kind of, I mean, it still wasn't as, it stopped being as well, popular. Well, you had, you had, a, it was you like, had two dueling subgenres sort of coming to the forefront, I think, in the early 2000s. And I know now we're turning in like a whole dissertation on horror cinema. We're supposed to be talking about Miss Peregrine. But, um, you know, whatever. We had a conversation about this the other day, and you're like, we should talk about this on the podcast, or you should write about this or something. And I was like, oh, I think oh, you should oh, write yeah. about it. But no, I mean, well, we're I talking was, about it now. But no, I, that's a really good point is that we've had all these like transitions of horror yeah, yeah. films. Well, that's been, and the, now we're been, going back. But they've been well documented by other film critics right. and but stuff. Now this is not going, something that I'm creating. Well, now we're going back to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre filming and the Halloween filming where it doesn't give it all the way. Right. There's not as much blood. Well, there's a, you there can was, now actually have horror films that are rated PG 13 because. And it's also not, they're not making women topless anymore. For no reason. Yeah. Gratuitous nudity. That For was no a thing. Reason. That was a thing, especially in the 80s. Yeah. Um, well, every horror 70s movie. 70s and 80s. Well, yeah. But, but late 70s. Or like, and a lot really of teen comedies in the 80s were topless women, well, too. yeah. But then we saw, well, American Pie was a resurgence of that. But anyway, in the early 2000s, we had sort of the torture, quote, unquote, torture porn films spearheaded by Saw and Hostel. And then you had the found footage thing happening in around the same time a few a couple you a few years later and, and that was that was too. yeah japanese american remakes of japanese horror was another thing that died pretty fairly fast i feel like because what in less than a yeah well i guess because i only really remember the ring and well the, the ring Grudge. well those were the big ones yeah so what happens is like a movie or two comes out and, and lands with audiences and then everybody's like oh we need to make more of this kind and then don't not understanding that you also have to make them good can't just be like, oh, we're going to remake uh, The Eye. Remember that movie, The Eye? Ja- oh, Jessica Alba? Yeah. That was a remake of a Japanese horror movie, I believe, too. Oh. There's a bunch of them like that that are really terrible. And it's not just horror films. They do that with all those types of Yeah, movies. but Japanese horror specifically was the trend there. And then in the mid-2000s, maybe late 2000s, early 2010s was when we got Paranormal Activity, Cloverfield happened in 2007, and then found footage became a big thing. It still kind of is. I mean, Blair well, Witch is back. Blair Witch was the original. Blair Witch, well, Blair Witch, yeah, I guess. But I feel like, what was that? What came after Blair Witch and before Paranormal Activity? That was like found footage that was memorable. 
Cloverfield was before Paranormal Activity. Cloverfield was 2007. Right. Paranormal Activity was what, 2009 maybe? Yes. Okay. 2009. Uh, so I don't I, remember. I don't think much. I don't think... Right. I, because then the next very next year, they did Book of Shadows and everybody's like, what the fuck? They got like a lot of Fs and zero stars and like made no money. So I think everybody's like, okay, never mind. See that found footage film we were developing? Let's, let's cancel that. But yeah, you want to talk about um, no money needed oh, yeah, for seriously. a movie? Like goodness. But yeah, but now we have sort of what I what I called what I told you throwback horror, which is basically the Conjuring and the Insidious and Sinister, which movies that feel like they were made in the late seventies, early eighties. They're more they're more restrained. They're more uh, horror. They're more terrifying on an elemental level. Like there's this demonic force after you. There's this this evil spirit thing coming after you, or like this, this family's being haunted. They're like you know what I mean. They 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 feel like Amityville Poltergeist that kind of movie rather than, you know, found footage. They don't really fit with any of the other trends that are going on right now. Right, and I guess it makes, makes it better. But here's the thing, though, is that... And they're, not, and they're also not remakes. That's the other thing. They're also, to interrupt, they're also not remakes of all these other horror movies that we've mentioned because all the ones, the classic ones we've just been talking about, they've all been remade, most, most of them unsuccessfully. Go ahead. Well, um, so the difference, though, with uh, the Insidious and the Conjuring to be like more of a throwback to the Amityville and the Poltergeist is that those are dealing with supernatural beings compared to these these films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween. Those are realistic monsters that I wonder if we're going to see that again with a realistic monster that's shot in the yeah. same way. That's not going to be a slasher film. Don't Breathe is sort of a thriller slash horror film about a, a man. Oh, okay. Kind of terrorizing a group of kids, sort of. I won't get into that movie so much because there's, I already have a podcast talking about my review of that, but definitely check that out when you can. It's too bad that's not out on DVD in time for Halloween. That, that wasn't that smart of them, was it? Well, I mean, they came out, what, August, late August, early September or something? Yeah, they should, so. have, they should time these movies better. Like, even Lights Out's not going to be out in time for no. Halloween. Yeah, but this, that, this was a great summer for horror. And, and the pur- even the Purge movies, which I haven't really been seeing, but from what I'm aware of, it sounds like they're very much in that, like, 80s like John Carpenter B-movie type style of something like Escape from New York or, you know what I mean? Okay. So yeah, so throwback horror seems to be the thing now, which I'm, I'm fine with. I'm liking most of these horror movies. We don't need the gore, you know? We don't I need, don't, I mean, don't in, unless that. it serves the story, then I'm fine with it. Well, I also saw today on, on Twitter that they are officially starting production on Saw Legacy. So they're bringing another one of those. And I'm like, oh man, please don't. That last one was rough. Like I, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not a defender of the Saw franchise. That, but that first one is really strong, and that, ironically, the sixth one is really strong. I really like the sixth one, um, but seven, it did not end on a on a strong note. So I don't know where they're gonna go with it now. But I don't know if I care to find That's out. That's not James Wan, though, is it? James Wan created it. He did the original. Yes. Oh. As I'm saying, James Wan is a, basically our modern. Wes Craven or one of those. R.I.P. I know, R.I.P. Wes Craven. But James Wan is sort of leading that, that new generation of, of like cutting-edge horror uh, directors right now. That's cool. Fede Alvarez, the... Uh, man, I think he's Mexican. The Mexican director... I'm not sure. I should double-check on that before I put my foot in my mouth. But the director of uh, Evil Dead and Don't Breathe, he's also another one of those. Oh, he's, he's from Uruguay. Okay, it's good. I'm glad I checked. Fede Alvarez, the, the uh, director from Uruguay, who did Evil Dead and Don't Breathe, he's another one that's sort of on the cutting edge with of this you know kind of thing. And and it's interesting too because 
he's also teeters on the edge between Evil Dead, which was his remake of Evil Dead. Again, I said these all have been remade, or rebooted rather, because there's no ash in it. Um, he's that film was really embracing of blood and gore and splatter and like crazy shit happening. But then Don't Breathe is way more restrained, and there's not there's very there's towards the end there's a couple like moments where you're like, oh, what the fuck. But there's not a lot of that throughout. It's more about suspense and about nobody make noise. And, you know, um, so he's already demonstrated sort of an, an interesting versatility within that, where he's not just, just kind of centering on one approach to the genre. Well, uh, what about uh, Blumhouse? Blumhouse? Well, that's a production company. But they're, but they're working with James Wan a lot. There were, they, well, all the franchises that we already mentioned of, um, you know, the, oh, here it is. The uh, Insidious and Sinister and The Conjuring and all that. See? And see. Insidious, uh, the Purge movies they do. Oh, wow. They're doing sharp objects, too? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> the Visit, Sinister, The Gift. Oh, that's right. The Gift, so, gift so was many. a great scary movie. The Gift movie, was, a, was... Which the, wasn't really supposed it was to be more, scary. It was, it, was more Hitch, it was more Hitchcockian, I'd say. Psychological thriller. Than anything. Yeah, Ouija, Whiplash, even. They've done all kinds of movies. Um, but the paranormal activity, but they're known mostly for yeah. They've done a lot of the, a lot of the most recent, notable horror films, or at least the ones that have landed in in the box office. So, so yeah. So it's interest. It's an interesting time for horror, especially this summer was specifically strong with Don't Breathe, The Conjuring, and uh, Purge, and Lights Out, and Shallows, which we still have to see. That's on. That's uh, out now, so we need to check that out. Yeah, we do. Well, one other movie we watched. Because we, we started the Halloween trend early this year. We also watched Creepshow 2, which uh, neither of us had seen. Yeah, that's not too and strong. And that was not good Thanks all. for the ride, lady. Yeah, that was... Cause that Creep was the best part. Creepshow, um, is, I, think, I think, is pretty fun and pretty good. But yeah, Creepshow 2 was not enjoyable. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's fun that we... You know, it seems like we're so, fo so far kind of a little more focused... On watching Halloween movies and scary films than than we have been in the past, because usually we just put on like, oh, let's watch Dracula Den Loving It, or let's watch. Um, we could still do that too. Return to Oz or something, but it seems like this year we're trying to make a little more effort to like, no, you know what? Let's watch this like classic one that that we've never seen before, that kind of thing. And uh, you know, you're gonna show me Christine, which I've never seen. Right. It may, which, it's may I don't know if that's a classic. It's got a cult but... following, though. And it's um, it was also George... Wasn't that... No, not George Romero. Who was it? John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. John Carpenter's made some pretty interesting movies. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's got a good... Uh, he's got a pretty good track record. Depending on who you ask. I don't know. I, we tried to watch Big Little Trouble in Little China, and I I don't know. I think it was too tired, or it was like not in the vibe of exactly just how weird that movie was trying to be. Yeah, I but loved he, that movie when I was little, but and he then has, watched it again, and I was like, oh my, when I was older, and I was like, wow. But he has, but he does it. On, it's, it's very purposeful that it's being ridiculous. It's just whether or not that works for you, I guess. And I don't think I watched it at the right time. I was not. I don't. I don't know. I didn't get. I didn't. I wasn't embraced myself for that level of craziness. I guess. So. But yeah, so we'll report back with further horror films as the month goes on, hopefully. And uh, if I can convince Kai to do it, we'll be doing a crooked commentary, our second ever, on The Nightmare Before Christmas. Which is not that long of a film, so it's like 80 minutes. You can make it through that. What about your the crooked commentary on Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, we'll do that too, but I feel like Nightmare Before Christmas is more uh, timely with well, October. So right. Scott Pilgrim I can do whenever. 
Um, but yes, I love Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and Kai does not, so that would be an interesting conversation. Not that you hate it, but you don't like it very much, I guess. Is well, the oh my gosh, I just wonder what's going to happen to me, like happen to you, where if I watch it a second time, like you did, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what? This movie is great. Maybe you'll appreciate it a little better. The first time I saw it, I was like, this movie's weird. I don't know. I got to let this marinate a little bit. And then I don't even know what made me watch it a second time. But I watched it a second time and I was like, oh my God, I love this. And then now it's just like so ingrained in my mind that I quote it on a regular basis. Two hours! I just randomly, I just say all kinds of random stuff. You do. The acoustics in here are amazing! <laughs> Pretty, especially Jason Schwartzman, I guess. He's got some great lines, like the ultimate hipster. But that'll be another time. So I think what we'll just jump right into now is our review of Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. So this is the new film from Tim Burton, and it stars Eva Green, Asa Butterfield, Samuel L. Jackson, Chris O'Dowd, and a bunch of kids that I don't know their names because they're not big stars. And maybe, and based on this movie, they probably won't really become one. I'm just saying. <laughs> not that they're bad in it, but I don't know. I wasn't impressed with anything by them. You you liked the um, the blonde girl thing named Ella? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. She was fine, I guess. She was, she was whatever. Um, so it's. Do you want to, since you read the book, do you want to give us the, first of all, just explain in general what the hell the story's about? Because I saw it and I'm still not sure. Okay. And it's also, maybe these things will be answered with additional movies, which I read that actually Tim Burton will, he may very well not be doing the sequels. Usually he doesn't. He usually yeah, doesn't. He was, yeah. He spoke about that. Spoke he's like, I got that. it started. I've, I've created the world. I'm bored now. Right. He's not. A he's never person. done a sequel minus, except for Batman Returns. And honestly, I feel like if he could do it again, he'd probably be like, yeah, I don't want to do another one of these. But he probably like the money. Well, yeah, the money. That's probably why he did it. But yeah. But um, okay. So the book, um, the story is about a, um, a boy, Jake, who um, he's very close to his grandfather. And yet his grandfather is not really very close to um, Jake's Jake's dad. And he's, everyone basically thinks he's suffering from, the grandfather's suffering from dementia because he's talking about these monsters. And, and no one is seeing these monsters. And um, in the beginning of the movie, um, Jake goes to go help his grandfather. And, and his grandfather is dead. And, but basically the request, the grandfather requests that, Jake go to Karen Helm um, to go find find Miss Peregrine, and it's 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 told a little bit differently in the book. Um, this was more found out through a letter uh, through that uh, Jake got from his grandfather for his birthday. But anyway, so basically, Jake goes to. You don't have to give everybody the whole story. I said set it up the premise. You don't have to like. <laughs> if you're doing a book report on it now. What the heck? Oh yeah, book reports. Yeah, no, but. Well, so, okay, so he just goes to, uh, he goes visit. To find out the England. truth. Yeah, he goes to England Essentially. to find out the truth, right, on okay. what happened, and if his and to see if his grandfather really was telling the truth. And he goes into an interesting land, and I think... Even, well, we should, we should say we're probably going to get into spoilers. Yes. For Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children from this point on. I mean, we're just, you know, set it up for you, um, and then, you know, if you're going to check out the film, go see it, and then listen to this. If you're not going to see it, that's probably a smart decision. So continue listening. Based on my perspective, it seems like it's getting very mixed reviews. Where it's got what did I tell you? Sixty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is technically fresh, but also so close to not being fresh that it's close not. To being rotten. Yeah, 
Yeah, that it's that it's not really one that I would be like. There's a consensus. People like it. I'm like, no, not really. It's kind of half and half, basically. Um, and I, you know, it's pretty obvious which half I fell on with this. Yes. Um, so having read the book and when and going to see the movie, what did what did you think of? Well, first of all, you liked the book, right? More or less? Uh, yeah, more or less I did. Um, but you're kind of at that point now where you're just like me with movies. You're like, I'll read anything, whatever. Well, it's also because I knew this movie was coming out and... And you're, you're one I of was, those, I have to read the book plus before Plus I wanted I to give fantasy a try. Honestly, I've never really read a fantasy book before. Should have read a Harry Potter. I didn't better. read a Harry Potter. Been, you would have been better off with Harry Potter because at least, you know, those stories are better. Well, the thing is that I found really amazing about this story is that... The author built the story around photographs. And throughout the book, um, the book is littered with photographs. And they're, re- they're legitimate photographs of pictures that he found at flea markets, pictures that other that other people found. And he just built story. He built a story around them. And he actually was he did the same thing with uh, the second and the third book. And he's even said that he even has more photographs that he would like to use. The author's also a um, used to be a resident of Florida, so that's exciting. Like not even just Florida, Tampa Bay, where we, where Robert and I live. Um, he used to live here, but now he's in LA, being a big time writer. But, but I think that's pretty that's pretty incredible. And when I was reading the book, I mean, I never even read Harry Potter, but I have seen all the films. Thank you, Rob. Um, it did seem reminiscent of Harry Potter. And, but it more gothy, more gothic Harry Potter. And a um, little, you know, a little, little scarier, a little edgier. I do consider it more of, a, more of a young adult story. Maybe even a little bit, maybe not, I wouldn't even say, not tween age, maybe like 15. Because in the book, at least, there are some, there are some kind of gross, gross things that happen that uh, I don't know if necessarily young kids should be reading about. But uh, I mean, I guess. Do you really? But uh, okay. So, so having read the book, that was a long answer. To, did you like the book? Jesus, you're like Kevin Smith with answers these days. I'm like, what's the, here's the question. Blah blah blah. You're like 45 minutes later. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have anything to add? No, I actually um, the thing is, um, I I liked the book. Okay, uh-huh. I just didn't like. I actually didn't like the ending of the book. The book, the ending of the book was sort of boring to me, and I really appreciated what Tim Burton did with the ending. Like he okay, definitely well, took some creative okay, liberties. Let's, let's, can we make a, they make a logical progression with this <laughs> conversation? You're just like, the book is okay, but let me tell you about the ending. I'm like, whoa. We get I'm there. not going to tell you about the ending. I know, but you seem like you were worried you were going to. Um, okay, so having read, having read the book and then seen the movie, what did you like about the movie? Because you seemed to like it a little bit more than me. Because I honestly, I've told you this earlier, but I would give this probably a 2.5 out of 5. Um, I did not really care for anything about it other than Eva Green but she's that's not that's not because of the material that's just because she just has a presence about her and she was kind of a weird quirky almost quasi Mary Poppins-esque character and I love me some Mary Poppins but so I would I, I wish she was in this film more because she would have saved it from being boring in my in my opinion obviously if people enjoy this movie then I'm glad congratulations but you, you, you know you might be wrong just saying <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing. It's fine. Go um, ahead. So what? Uh, so go ahead. So, so what did I like about it? What well, did you like? Convince me why it's good. Basically, is my is my thing. Um, I didn't say it was good though either. I said it was okay. I said, um, it, I it. She's speechless because she's like, this. There's no defense for this. 
I what I thought was good about it was it was interesting the way that I don't know like I don't think I I don't think it's been done before where you have someone go into here's a spoiler it goes into a time loop okay. and they're in the same and they know that they're in the same day all the time not just I'm not but okay continue this right. is not I mean it's I'll kind respond, of similar, respond, similar to Groundhog Day in that fact but the thing is is in this world everybody knows they're in the same day over and over and over again and they're trying to, to they're hiding out in these time loop to get away from monsters and I just thought that was just that's just a really interesting storytelling perspective and um, I when I found but, out that twist, I thought that was pretty but cool. But what did they do about it? What did they do with it? They didn't do anything interesting with it. Except, oh, look, there's the bomb that's going to blow up the school. And then we loop back around and look, it's okay. Let's go back inside. That's all they did. There was one sequence where that was interesting. The rest of it could have not even been in a time loop and it would have been the exact same story. Well, right. But what, did, what was it about the time loop? But why would it be different with them being in time loop? Like, how would have they have made that different? If they're living, basically reliving the same day. There was nothing about, there was, nothing, there was, I don't, there was nothing about that conversation, about that aspect of the story that was interesting or well executed or explored particularly well. It was just, it was just sort of, yeah, we're in a time loop, whatever. And that was it. It was just, it was more about the, it was just a part of the setting. It didn't function in the, into the story in any kind of meaningful way. He might as well have been walking into freaking Narnia, but it's like, oh, it's a time loop. It's 1943 instead of the land of Narnia or, you know, freaking Hogwarts or whatever. It's, it's, it had no bearing on anything. They didn't do anything particularly interesting with it. Okay. I guess, I guess that's right. I mean, because if we talk about living, reliving the same day over and over again, Groundhog Day really got that right. Right. But, you know, that was magical filmmaking. In order and it was to a make- comedy. It's a, different, it's a different type of genre. Right. But these, these people knew, these kids knew they were in a time loop. They knew that they were in their late 80s. Right. Even in their 90s. And, um, and Miss Peregrine's whole, her whole power was being able to manipulate time. And she was the only one that could do it. Even though it looked like it was more her little stopwatch that did the work than her. She didn't do a spell or she didn't like chant or close her eyes and concentrate or something. So but, it looked like it was her little watch. So basically anybody that has a little watch should be able to do it according that to the was, movie. Uh, well, that was Tim Burton's creative liberty because well, that was they stupid. did not do that in the book. Well, that cheapens her what's supposed to be her peculiarity, which is such a but weird word But it's also in filmmaking, this. how do you tell that? How do you show that? I don't know. Have her say some words or read something or sit there and meditate while, while things go in reverse or something. There's other ways to do that. By showing her doing it with a little thing, and she might as well have been like, got knocked out of the way by Hermione Granger with a time turner. Same thing. And yeah, and in the book, I don't think they went outside all, every single night to watch her, you know, turn that was kind of That was kind of a memorable sequence. The only one in the movie. That's why I said. That's why I called that out specifically a minute ago. Right. But, yeah, I mean... I, I don't know. I thought the time loop piece of it was interesting. It would. And I do think that visually it was interesting. But It had potential to be interesting, but it, but in my opinion, wasn't. Go ahead. But I, I, it's I also, I mean, it's, 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 it's like we talked about before after the movie is that it was very perfect for Tim Burton. And I think, and he did make some changes to the film compared to the book that part of me didn't really understand. But I also get that he did that for um, cinematic reasons. He changed some of the characters' peculiarities, and that that actually has upset some 
some viewers. Oh, I've some heard. hardcore people. And they're yeah. like, you messed it up. And I'm not a hardcore person. Right. So. I mean, you read it, but you're like, eh, I can see that. It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm well, usually there, a hater there, of film, by there the way, are people, the, compared to the book. There are people that they read a book and they watch a movie and it doesn't have every line of dialogue, every moment, every character, every exactly as they were in the book. People lose their shit. Not understanding that in a book you have hundreds of pages to get into people's heads, to ex- develop things more, to have multiple subplots and blah, 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 blah. Whereas in a movie, you only have two hours. Unless they do what, uh, what the other thing that people hate that they do, and they make multiple movies out of one book. And then people are like, oh, you just stretched the story out, blah, blah, blah. Some of that. So that's, you, like, you win, some, you, it's a lose-lose scenario, basically. Right, but it seems like that was really only necessary with Harry Potter. What, that, split in half? Yeah, because that sort does seem of. like that made a lot of the readers of the books happy. Because well, there was so much to tell. Well, because in the well, you you haven't read the Harry Potter books, but maybe I can work on that and getting you to read those next. Because ask your sister; she loves the Harry Potter books. Those are well developed, and and uh, most of the other books, like the first three of the Harry Potter books, are not particularly long. You've seen them; they're like maybe three hundred pages. They're like more like what you would read if you were in like I don't know uh, third grade and you're reading a book in school or something. They're about that about that length. When you get to the latter half, four, five, six, seven, then they start to get like eight hundred pages and shit like that. But there's a lot of subplots and a lot of things going on that don't really have anything to do with the main story. So like, I think in uh, I don't remember which one it is. I want to say Goblet of Fire. There's a whole subplot about Hermione. He's like, well, we got to free the house elves and blah 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 blah. That has nothing to do with the Triwizard Tournament. With everything that's going on with Harry, with Voldemort, with the grand scheme of things. That's just a world-building subplot to just be like, and then this was happening too. You know, to sort of just develop out what the wizarding world is all about. In the seventh one, they stripped all that shit away because this was the last one. So they had to kind of wrap everything up. So pretty much every chapter, from what I understand, that's the only one I haven't read actually. Every chapter pretty much is about Voldemort, Harry, and then the search for the Horcruxes and you know, trying to basically defeat the Dark Lord once and for all, which is why you sort of needed two movies. And you've seen both of those movies, even though the first one is a lot slower and it's more about setup, there's no way you could have done that story and strip all that out because it's just how would you even do that, you know? Um, But yeah, uh, so I don't know. Um, My whole thing is that this movie just feels super derivative. And yes, it is too perfect for Tim Burton. It's like Tim Burton almost could have made the story up himself. And brought it to the screen, and it would have been pretty much exactly the same. It does. It just feels really derivative. It's like if you take Harry Potter and you take X Men and you mix them together and you take away all the personality, that's what you have. Because Asa Butterfield, who is a good actor in movies like Hugo, which I love, that's a that's like a, that's a five star movie for me. He's really flat in this. He had no personality, and his character was just like, "Well, this is crazy. What's going on?" Like really. And his American accent threw me off because he's not particularly good at it. And he enunciates everything too much because he's like, I'm using a different accent. We have to do this and say Miss Peregrine. And then the movie just basically insults the intelligence of the viewers. I guess because the movie's, because it's made also to appeal to kids. Which, by the way, if it's dark like you're saying and not for kids, why are they acting? Why are they treating it like a kid's movie? You see what I'm saying? It's like a movie that doesn't know what it wants to be or who it wants to be for. So it's trying to be all of it and kind of failing across the board for me. Where in the movie, they're all like, oh, we have to go over here to stop the time loop because the, the, the hollows are going to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I, I, I know, I get it. I'm watching. I understand. Why are you telling me this? Just do it already, dude. 
And nothing really, two-thirds of the movie, they go back and forth between, oh, look at this crazy place. Oh, we all have this weird power. It's crazy. I'm going to go back here and sit on the beach with my dad for five minutes. I'm like, why are you doing this? There's no progression. It just goes flip-flops back and forth. It's like channel surfing. It's like, do I want to watch the game? Eh. Oh, this is beauty pageants on. Eh. No, look, the news is happening. Oh, this crazy shit. What is this? It's like, no, you're not telling a story. You're not focusing on something and developing from point A to point B to point C all the way to a satisfying finale. You're just going back and forth, hoping like, oh, has it been two hours yet? All right, great finale. Let's let's get let's hit the switch and, the and get the climax. Was like that too. That's like, annoying. That sometimes I did lose my focus. Well, then the book, they bad like, ad- bad bad adaptation. That's a bad adaptation of a book to film if you're gonna. It did not work for me, basically at all. And the more we're talking about, the more I'm kind of pissed. This is sort of sort of like, the, that it was sort of like to... the Sully conversation, where I was like, ah, I didn't realize I hated this movie so much until right now. But you mentioned it was similar to X Men. You're talking about Days of Future Past. No, I'm talking about no, I'm talking about a house, a school full of special children who all have abilities. X Men. Oh, right. Not because of the pacing or anything. Not that, and not because of the time travel. I'm saying because it's we all have powers and we have this this older mentor person who takes care of us. That's why. It feels like that, but it's also Harry Potter and then they're all little kids and it's a destiny and this guy, this kid is meant for this world or whatever. Like the self, Harry Potter in that it has a male protagonist who is, you know, he's, a, he's actually a teenager, not a child, but close enough, who is discovering this magical world that he's been a part of but not even realizing it his whole life. And X-Men, in that it's a school full of special children who live in this house to, for their own safety and are misunderstood by the outside world and have other people who have similar abilities chasing them down and wreaking havoc on shit that they have to stop. That sounds like X-Men and Harry Potter to me. That's actually a very good point. I'd rather go home and watch X-Men and Harry Potter, honestly. There was nothing about this, about this movie that was superior to either one of those franchises. So if they make a sequel, they don't make a sequel, I kind of don't give a shit. Even Samuel L. Jackson, who was a great actor and a lot of fun to watch in movies, was really, he just felt out of place here. He felt, he, he shows up and he's hamming it up and that's great and I enjoy Samuel L. Jackson hamming things up, but it did not fit with the tone of this movie. Well, he's also a character that got put in the film for absolutely no reason other than Tim Burton even said, the reason that Samuel L. Jackson's in this movie is because I've always wanted to work with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, but I mean, you could have cast anybody else in that part too. It's not him in the part; it's the, the performance style that he was. I guess that he was probably directed to take right by yeah. Tim Burton. Right, because that um, was not, did you hear the Tim Burton? Did you hear that there's a big, there's a lot of controversy right now with Tim Burton? No. And diversity, and he said some stuff about diversity, and he's like, "Oh, well, it's you know, it's, it's like if I watch a black exploitation movie, I'm not going to be like, well, why aren't there more white people in this? So maybe basically people are saying." Why aren't there more black people in your movies in general? And he had not a, he didn't particularly handle that answer very well. Even though, I mean, I understand they're like in what, Wales or wherever the hell they're supposed to be in this movie. There's black people in England. Right. So I think, I think his defense was, oh, you know, there's not really anybody in the story and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you can also go out here. Yeah, Harry Potter is in England and there's, Black people in Hogwarts. I mean, they're and, not and the main character. As well. Right, exactly. So I, he did not handle that answer. I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean anything specifically by it. And wasn't his and ex wife mean... English? Isn't she English? Helen I... Bottom Carter? Well, yeah, but it's not, I'm not saying that. I don't I'm saying say, she, she could have shared some of her. He, uh, I don't, I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it, but it's also like if you're in this position of power and you're casting a movie with so, such a. I even thought about that during the movie while we were watching. I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of little white kids in this movie. 
And I'm, I was a little white kid, so I'm like, okay, yeah, white, white kids, I guess. But if you're going to have such a, have such a huge, such a big, big cast of like, what, there's like 10 of these freaking kids that are in the school or whatever, or home, that's not even school, but it's, it's a home, whatever, same difference. Um, yeah, that's another point. Do they go to school? Do they not learn anything? These kids are going to be stupid forever, but they're never going to age, I guess, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think they've learned anything. Um, what was I, where was I going with this? Oh, you you don't you couldn't have cast any of those people with Asians or Hispanics or, or black people or anything. They're just like, yeah, no, all white people. Well, does it have anything to do? It might have something to do with the time period. It was that in 1943? I guess, but... <laughs> Diversity wasn't really a very big thing in 1943. Yeah, because this movie's really striving for realism. Come on. That's bullshit. He should have had a little more diversity in there, at least to mix it up. That's... Say what you want about franchises like Fast and Furious or um, The Avengers is a bad example. Well, at least they have a lot of black people. The Expendables. The Expendables. I don't know. Different, at least these franchise movies that have huge on, that are run by an ensemble, at least some of them actually make an effort to have diversity. So, and I appreciate that. Um, but that was, that, that was not the cause of the issues in this movie. It just it didn't help. I just didn't know if you knew about that that controversy. I did not know about that. Yeah. It's pretty. This I've been hearing about it on Twitter. People getting Twitter arguments over this whole thing. Like that they don't that they no that that he was justified in not putting black people in it or that it's an insensitive whatever. I don't know. I he didn't what regardless he didn't handle the question very well. You should after we're done here search out the, see what he said about it because. He didn't answer that the way you're supposed to answer that, regardless of whether or not he did it on purpose or not. Maybe he didn't even think of that because, you know, he's a white man, too. So maybe he didn't like, oh, white people, right? that's what we do. But it's a little weird that the only person in the movie that's black is the, black, is the bad guy. Right. Too, which also doesn't really look very good for him, I guess. But anyway, back to Samuel L. Jackson. It's not that he's bad. It's that his performance style is so hammy and over the top and the rest of the movie isn't over the top in that same way it's over the top and it's like look at this crazy imagery these twins that do this whatever this little girl that's like gets all like is it just me or did her face change when she pushed stuff what girl the strong girl who's like her yeah, face her, looked all yeah, like, contorted face change, yeah. yeah okay and then like the girl with the teeth in the back of her head things like that it's it was strange in like an adam's family kind of a bizarre way not in a like ooh, you really need a mint like samuel jackson making jokes and being like all like so big i didn't think it really fit the tone of the movie and i get he's i get that he's the villain and therefore he should be should have a different sensibility about him than everybody else but maybe that's the problem maybe in the movie they felt like all right so these are the good guys so they should all just be really bland and then the bad guy will be like really interesting and like loud and like oh oh mr you know whatever your fucking name is Oh man, they don't tell him to tell us the last name. And he's just like, oh, Miss Peregrine, blah blah blah, and he's like, oh, really big and stuff. I don't, I don't know. Did not he? He just felt really either miscast or misdirected by Tim Burton, or Tim Burton needed to rein him in or something, because it did that. That just made the movie feel silly. And any stakes that the movie had, as soon as he started running around making jokes, I was just like, okay, now I don't even give a shit. I, now I'm any any at any moment in this movie if I was taking this seriously and gonna be worried about these kids now I don't even care anymore because now you just made it a comedy and it wasn't supposed to be I didn't think it was till that point although considering that it's like two hours and I feel like I wasted my time maybe I should be thankful that at least a few moments were kind of funny I'm like ah oh, Sam Jackson with crazy eyes and weird hair 
And Tim Burton did get his wish. He did get Samuel L. Jackson in a movie. I guess. But, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson will take so many scripts. I mean, I'm sure he could have worked with him on another film. I know. But, and again, it's not... I, Samuel L. Jackson is a, is a very versatile actor. He could have dialed it down had he been directed... I mean, look at, look at Star Wars. He, Samuel L. Jackson's a great actor, but not in Star Wars. He's like, a Sith Lord? <laughs> Wait here, Anakin. I will go talk to the Supreme Chancellor. It's like he's reading cue cards during the whole movie, basically. And he wanted to be in that movie. But that's so not badly. his bad because everybody, Natalie Port, Oscar winner Natalie Portman, is like that. I that we'd be living a lie. I couldn't do that. Could you, Anakin? Could you live like that? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Oscar winner Natalie Portman? Jesus Christ! Well, she was an Oscar winner. No, yet. not then. But she, she was still. Be so lucky she she was still one. capable. She was still capable. Look at the professional, 1994, I think. She's great in that. She's freaking 12 years old in that movie. What the hell? So it's clearly the direction. I'm, I'm going to say it's probably the direction Sam Jackson was given. Or he was just reading the script. He's like, oh, this is terrible. I need to like, keep myself from getting bored on set. And then he did this. This is what we, we ended up with. Whatever. Anyway, he didn't, he didn't fit in this movie. The only character in this movie that was interesting to me was Miss Peregrine. And that's because she nailed the tone of being like weird and quirky, but also sort of subdued and classy and very british and like you know what i mean yeah she nailed it i would want to see him it's weird this movie's called miss peregrine's home for peculiar children and miss peregrine's the most interesting character but miss peregrine's also not in like two-thirds of the footage how much is her screen time she's like this is like beetlejuice level screen time beetlejuice who's in the movie beetlejuice less than everyone else in the movie beetlejuice which is why whenever Tim likes to do that doesn't i he? guess so which is why whenever beetlejuice shows up you're like oh, all right here we go this guy's got much better not that it's bad without him but Beetle, the, the Michael Keaton scenes of Biddle, uh, Biddle, Beetlejuice, the Michael Keaton scenes of Beetlejuice are by far the standout moments of that film. And I guess, you know, maybe by making everything around her so blah, he makes Miss Peregrine come off even better as a result. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I think it's also Tim Burton has also lost his magic. Uh, for sure. He lost he, it a long time ago. Long, long time ago. The only last movie I loved by him was Sweeney Todd. Yeah, Sweeney Todd. Oh, we got which watch that this month. It's a great movie. Um, and he didn't even really... I mean, that was his vision of a of film, but it was based on the play. And there were changes that were made and stuff, but the music and everything was already sort of there to be plucked out and rearranged. Plus Johnny Depp, when he was still caring, caring about giving good performances, which again, probably, he probably hasn't done since then, I think, too. I think that movie just, like, they're like, ah, and I'm spent, that's all we got. We're just going to keep making movies for another decade that nobody needs to see. Yeah, they just decided to be barbers. It's you know all the all the creativity the came out from the blood of yeah the... Johnny Depp and Tim Burton just like slit the throat of their careers they're like oh this is it <sighs> so yes any other thoughts <laughs> I mean yeah I mean I don't children. think I'm not gonna say it's a great film it's it's, it's good not, so you're not gonna lie to people but I'm not gonna say it's a bad film either and I do see why Tim Burton took the creative licenses that he did with this film and. I think it was interesting in its own way, but I do agree that yeah, it was it was derivative of other things. I didn't even think about the X Men angle actually. I was thinking more. How like do you that. not? Because I just didn't think about They're it. They're almost like out. I have expected Professor X to come around and be like Jake. I'd like to introduce you to the rest of my students. <laughs> I don't know why that sounded like Sean Connery. And I don't know why either. Um, but but the Harry Potter angle definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of hard not to see it. They're both based on books and everything, too. I mean, X-Men is, too, but those are comic books. It's a little different. It's also different. hard now to make a fantasy film without it being similar to Harry Potter because Harry Potter has such a um, pop culture resonance that and has 
affected so many people. Yeah, but if it was, if it had similarities to Harry Potter and X Men, but then it did something new and interesting and, and, and added something to that, then I'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's like, it's amazing. It's like Harry Potter meets X Men. It's awesome. But no, they took both and they were like, we're going to do both of these, only terrible. And I was like, why? The, we already have X Men The Last Stand. We've already seen terrible X Men. You don't have to do that to us. And also, don't forget, it's also somewhat a Groundhog Day. I, well, yeah, I guess. But that's been done. Time loops have been done in movies before. I'm not, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but they have. Uh, it's not a new concept that Miss Peregrine's like rolling with for the first time. Okay. So, Fair enough. Any, any, any final thoughts? You would recommend people to go see it. What would you give it out of five? I think you gave it three on Letterboxd. I think I, yeah, I think I gave it three. Okay. Yeah. So if she says three, I say 2.5. She's a little nicer than I am in, in, in this movie review and in life, apparently. Um, so mild recommendation from Kai, a non-recommendation from Rob. Um, yeah, if, but, but you know what? I, I just wrote the uh, 10 movies we're looking forward to for October for Screen Rant, and there's not really much out there coming out for families in the next few weeks. So if you have little kids and you want to take them to see something that at least has Samuel Jackson yelling stuff in it to keep you from like falling asleep in your popcorn, this might be your last chance for a while because the only kids movies coming out are middle school, the worst years of my life, which I think is based on a series of oh, books. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anybody cares about that movie. So I don't know if anybody will go see it. And Max Steel, which looks terrible from what I've heard and, yeah, so I don't expect either of those to do any kind of substantive business this month. But then you have November and you have, you know, this November and December and then you have Rogue One, you have Doctor Strange, you have Moana, you have uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, you have um, Trolls, and there's a lot of other kids' family when movies coming out. When does Sing come out? Next summer? Oh, no, Sing, oh, I think Sing. soon, this, this fall too. All of those are in the, uh, November, December. But October, it's like, it's like a dead zone. For family entertainment. Wasn't so, October similar to January? No, usually that's, that's September, but I feel like September was actually a little more interesting this year than normally. Because, I mean, you still had Sully, you still had Blair Witch, you still had, not that I liked Blair Witch, but it was like a movie that people were talking about. Um, Peregrine and uh, there was another one. Oh, Man- Magnificent Seven. So you had a few that were more um, mainstream, like blockbustery type movies out there, but. So yeah, that's Miss Peregrine. That's all we have to say about it. Um, well, you think maybe next episode... And I apologize for missing the last couple of weeks. I've been in, in, insanely busy with stuff, but but uh, I think that's all we have for this episode. Maybe next time I can get I can get Kai on to do The Nightmare Before Christmas. Thing. I think so. Maybe in the next week. I'll be a good sport. In the next week or so, we'll do that and I'll put it up. I'll be a good sport. Okay, it's, it's like an 80-minute long movie. It might be 70 no, something No, but I've minutes. seen it already. But, we, but we'll mute it so that we don't get sued, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. Okay. So you can be like, I don't like this Jack Skellington. Why he got to make trouble for people in Christmas Town? <laughs> and I'll be like, that's mean. He doesn't know any better. And then I, and I can like, try not to sing while we're, while we're watching it. Yes, you could try not to sing. I am the clown with a tearaway face. Most for me, and also for the listeners. Yeah, oh, you know, you do have a great voice. Yeah, I was doing it the other day, and you were, you were, you know, I was uh, yeah, super no, you funny. have a great voice, but sometimes people don't want to hear singing. I, that's a separate. Po- I could do a separate podcast where I just sing the soundtrack the night before Christmas. Oh, there you go. There you go. Definitely. Tweet, tweet at Crooked Table. You can reach. Actually, that's a good segue. You can reach me at Crooked Table on Twitter. You can reach me at the Vault Key LLC on Twitter. Let us know how much you want to hear an episode where I just sing songs from Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, you could also find more about 
the more, <laughs> and now I'm like stumbling over my words, because now I'm thinking about how would I do that? That would be fun. What order would I sing them in the order of the film? Order would I count down my no, favorite? Do a shuffle. That would be fun. Shuffle and be like, I don't know what song's coming up next. Making Christmas. Um, you can also find more podcasts, videos, reviews, and other movie-related goodies at CrookedTable.com. Facebook, Snapchat. Uh, what's the other one? Tumblr. We're, we're on all the social media networks. On Instagram, too. Oh, Instagram. Yeah, I forgot Instagram. Thank you. Um, I'm on all of those. Either search Crooked Table or my handle is at Crooked Table. We'll be coming back probably about a week with the next episode. I'm going to try and stick to that this month. I promise. You know, if you guys knew how much I have going on, you would forgive me. It's a true story. True story. He sometimes doesn't sleep. Yeah, sometimes I don't sleep because I'm just trying to make podcasts for you people. Appreciate me. I need your validation, apparently. So as for now, this I'm Rob. And I'm Kai. And that'll be it for the Crooked Table Podcast. I'll see you next time. Roll credits. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs>